Hello and welcome to The Free Associates. That's right, folks, The Free Associates, the freedom of association, the freedom to associate with anything, any idea, any notion that comes floating down the road like a bunch of riffraff or whatever, flotsam and jetsam in a river, whatever it is, because Lord knows this at times in which you really should consider every opportunity or option. We are on the middle path here on The Free Associates. We're not hard left nor right. We're not particularly interested in the political minutiae. 2020 will happen. It will come and go. It'll be a moment in history, and it's an important moment in history. But what we're more interested in are the sociological ideas or concepts or whatever that we could do and apply to society. And so to that end, we generally do not do expert stuff on the show. Because if we do experts, then data comes in, and then data starts coming, dun, 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 crushing the conversation. You know, when I went to college, when we talked about philosophy, we were not allowed to bring in outside sources. And the reason for that was to create an even playing field just for intellectual discourse. Now, I have the Free Associates card. You know it. You know it well. One of my former students said, uh, hardcore is what he said, which I think is as good a compliment as you can get. And speaking of hardcore, I'm going to hypnotize Waylon. Waylon, you are now under my control. You shall do and think everything Ooh, I tell glittery. you to. That was glittery. That was uh, glittery. It generally does not work with you, however. You just go and get combative. We've had some combative episodes <laughs> recently. But it's, it's you know, our, our combat is over, like, that fundamental question of how fast things will rebound. And even though I combat you, I still, I'm, I'm still rooting for you. I'm rooting for your position uh, in many ways because I would like yeah, to see it rebound quickly. Well, no, I know you're always rooting for me personally. But I don't think you're rooting for my position if I'm being pessimistic. I don't think that's, that's, you just don't believe in that. No, that's totally cool, you know. And I, yeah, I picked this reading because I thought you would like it today. This was my gift to you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, uh, her, her name is uh, Mary Berry, which is, Mary Berry is one of the, um, the icons of, of Great Brit- British Bake Off. Not obviously this one, but huh. Mary Berry is uh, from that show. So Okay, probably not the same one. Our name. Could be. Like, oh, you know, Gentle Fields in Soufflés. Yeah, well, you know, based on the reading, it could be the same one, honestly, because this person feels like someone who would cook a souffle a little bit. And that's not me being critical. Now, folks, you know we've been doing Politico series uh, of predictions. We're going to run out soon. We're actually going to run out of predictions. And so we'll be hunting for some new material and new stuff. A little, I got to get, we got to get Laura Fatteruso back on because I do need some schooling in social media. I've been running a file. My sister-in-law texted me at 1045 on Saturday night saying, dude, you can't do that. And I'm like, what? I can't do that. Wait, what did you do? What did you do? So, you know, I always have an ulterior motive, but I posted 10 photos or like 15 photos on Instagram in one day, you know? And she's like, you can't do that. Like, you're supposed to post one every two weeks. (laughs) And I'm like... But I was kind of like just loading up my pictures is the way I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it, yeah, you're moving in. You're moving in. Yeah, I have some just stuff. Start. I have some stuff. And, and she said I would lose all street cred. And I said, my street's really empty. It's you and this other, <laughs> this other guy, Jim, who's a great guy. But like no one's paying any attention to me. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But I have like, I have, this is for Barbarian in the Valley, which is my other radio show. And. I have a, I really want to, you told me before that Instagram is for young people. You've told me, warned me away, but I'm convinced that. Not warn you away. I mean, it depends on what audience you want. I mean, right. if you're warning yourself away, if, the, if that's not the audience that you want. 
Yeah, no, I get it. Well, I get it. But I like the visual medium for the other show. Because Barbarian in the Valley, I mean, it's a barbarian. It doesn't doesn't know how to read, doesn't know how to write. You know what I mean? Strictly visual situation. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get a bunch of middle-aged men to join Instagram. <laughs> I think that's the, the other way to go about this. All right. Now, let's, listen, folks, we're going to do a quick reading of this. It's not long. And as, as uh, Wayland pointed out, it is Mary Berry, but it's Mary Frances Berry. And it's a professor of American social thought, history, and Africana studies at University of Pennsylvania. It is called A Hunger for Diversion. All right. She writes, some trends already underway will probably accelerate. For example, using voice technology to control entryway security and the like. In the short term, universities will add courses on pandemics and scientists will devise research projects to improve forecasting treatment and diagnosis. But history suggests another outcome as well. After disastrous 1918-1919 Spanish flu and the end of the First World War, many Americans sought a carefree entertainment, which the introduction of cars and the radio facilitated. Young women newly able to vote under the 19th Amendment bobbed their hair, frequented speakeasies, and danced to Charleston. <laughs> um, the economy quickly rebounded and flourished for about 10 years until a rational investment uh, tilted the United States and the world into the Great Depression. Probably given past behavior, when this pandemic is over, human beings will respond with the same sense of relief in a search for community relief from stress and pleasure. Oh, my God. Written by Mary Berry. Thought, thought by Jeremy Whalen. <laughs> this is basically... We collaborated. I, we collaborated. I, think, I think yesterday was my, might, have, might have been my thesis statement for the series, and this was your thesis statement for the series. Um, it's, there is a sentence in there that I think is really funny, though. It's like right out of a, um, like a kind of a bad documentary about the 20s, which is basically... Newly able to vote on the 19th Amendment, Bob, they're here. Frequented speaking, he's in dance at Charleston. <laughs> it's like, that's like such documentary writing. You can just see them dance. You know I mean? Just like, you know, all women did that in the 20s. Where it really was like 5% of women or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. know, when you're a history teacher, there's always these like, they're very cliche things that like, you know, the Kennedy-Nixon debate. It's like, it's like, Everybody's got to teach about it because it was televised. It was the first televised debate. I try to steer it yeah. as far away from that stuff as possible. And Nixon, and Nixon was sweating, so right. it was the first time that we were judging people topically. Right, right. Although I have to say, on a separate note, I was reading a, I was reading a related source, and Nixon had been sick. He had had pneumonia really bad in the weeks leading up to that debate. He was like badly sick on stage. I didn't know that. I know he had a propensity to sweat, but he was also like sick. It's like actually physically sick during that debate, which is interesting. Um, so you love this, but you have no skepticism about this? I guess not. I mean, this is pointless to ask you about. Well, I mean, the the, the thing that I that I I think that it's one a positive outlook, but it's also a pragmatic outlook. I think that what what the the big thing that I got out of that was. It, uh, economy rebounded, but then it was left to our own devices with un with an unregulated economy. All this, all these forces that be led ourselves into the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was external forces too, but that's that's kind of like we were talking about uh, last um, or yesterday about the two thousand the things that are the similarities between the two thousand eight uh, recession and now, and I think that. Again, we'll go. We want we're searching for that sense of community and get to get back to the things as they were. We're going to try to find those deeper meanings in those things. But 
history has a way of repeating itself. Mm. And once we get back into that without, without sound regulations, um, we're just, we're going to find ourselves in the same, in the same predicaments. Yeah. I'm just so far away from you on this. Um, like, I don't think we're going to find ourselves in the predicament. I think we're like knee deep already. in the, the predicament. I can agree with you on that. I do not see this. I mean, I've thought about it. I have thought about it because I'm aware as a, as a history teacher that the Spanish flu was followed by a, a decade of affluence. Um, it was also preceded by the First World War. So there was, you know, obviously when you, history doesn't, as Mark Twain would say, although we're not actually sure he said this. Someone said it. History doesn't repeat itself at rhymes is the quote. You know, it's never really the same. It Definitely you can seek parallels and stuff like that, but it's never quite the same. Um, I just do not see this at all. I do not. If she's talking about there's going to be an exuberance coming up, I don't see how it's economically feasible to have an, an era of exuberance when we were already headed for a recession. There was The numbers were already terrible heading into this. And now... This, you know, and I've been trying to research the Spanish flu a little bit because I'm like, did they close stuff down during the Spanish flu? Like, were restaurants closed or did was I, I kind of don't feel like they were. So I don't know how bad the economy actually got hurt. You know, in some ways, okay, this is a little Grim Reaper, Waylon, but stay with me. In some ways, a lot of wealth was freed up by the Spanish flu because a lot of people died. You know what I mean? Because, no, seriously, when you think about it, wealth gets freed up when people die, especially when they have stuff that you can pass along and inherit. So I just do not yeah. see this at, at all. I don't see it at all. In fact, I think it's one of a prime example where you pick a different period of history and it has there's no seemingly no relation. It doesn't mean you're wrong that things are going to come back. But to, to forecast uh, a period of like exuberant, consumer spending in the next 10 years feels like kind of nutty to me just because that happened the last time that she seems wacky yeah i guess <coughs> excuse me yeah the um i guess what i would go to is that the exuber exuberance and economics are not necessarily intertwined as we are talking about them there can be a psychological shift th during things like this, and it was kind of uh, outlined in uh, Sebastian Younger's tribe. Right, you have a uh, you have a city that's getting bombed. You know, London is getting bombed, and people are, are, are and, and people are hunkering down. There's no, and there's undoubtedly effects to the economy and everything. People are doing less well, but once the war is over, there's a sense of relief. Now, it's a sense of relief and exuberance, I would say. Because everything is put into a different perspective, when we are able to lift things and get and get back to kind of business as, as usual and kind of go back to the way that we before this, you will have those the, the stress of the your econo the economic burdens on your family and all these things. But from a psychological perspective, it's also there's also a relief in that it, the exuberance in that relief of getting things back to normal. So they you can isolate those things when it comes to, when it comes to kind of your perspective psychologically when when you're when you're dealing with those things. You might be in a hole that's gonna it's gonna take a while to get out of, but the immediate impact is that at least we have our health, 
at mm-hmm. least we we have our our communities and and at least we can get back to some normal of some semblance of normalcy. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And and I agree with you. It's exuberance doesn't have to just be consumptive spending. It can be all kinds of stuff. One of the things just on a side note, I don't know if you're feeling this way. It concerns me the messaging that's going out there because I don't feel like that moment's coming anytime soon. I think it could. But I feel like there's so much messaging, like, we're not out of it. We're not going to be out of it for two years. If we're going to fall back into it. I don't know. You know, the Second World War had clear days when there was victory in Europe and victory in the Pacific. Like, in Times Square, they were jumping up and down. Um, I don't feel like that's coming with this anytime soon. And that's a little depressing to me, I have to say. Yeah. I would I would agree with the, the idea that the, the, a definitive win is not something that necessarily is, is we're we're going to see, but there's going there is going to be some sort of relief period in which we you mm-hmm. all of a sudden I mean just think about the first time that you get to go to a restaurant. Yeah. You know, think about the first time that you get to go to a concert. Like these things we're we these are new births at whatever age you are and it's going to there's the uh, there's giddiness to it that that i think that people are going to have and there's going to be a novelty that novelty is going to wear off and we're, we're talking about some long-term implications with with, with the uh, economic burdens and everything but i think that there's something to this puzzle i think that there's something to the idea that we're, we're in an unprecedented time and we've experienced this for how many weeks now and the first time that we're we're going to be able to go out and and see some of these people that we were seeing on Zoom and and interacting with and doing the, some of these things, it's got there's got to be a novelty to that. Yeah, yeah, no, I really appreciate that. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, again, like I just heard that baseball is going to run without people in the stands and stuff like that, which is better than no baseball, except if you're Waylon and you hate baseball. But where I don't, oh, yeah. no, 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 don't do that, Waylon, because you're that does not wear well on you. You're a positive guy. You're not an anti guy. Listen, I get that you don't like baseball, but you don't. Hey, need people to. can people can watch base during baseball. That's fine. Yeah, I'm just not a baseball guy. Yeah, just not a baseball guy, and that's where we should leave it. But it's, you know, not being able to go into the stadium and stuff like that. But look, I don't want to take away from what you're saying because I really appreciate it. To me, standing in front of my classroom is going to be a big moment. You know, standing in front of my door, watching the kids come in is going to, I mean, even thinking about it honestly makes me a little emotional. Um, That's going to be a really big moment for me. Walking my kids down to the bus stop, you know, that's going to be a big moment. So I agree. So that's the kind of exuberance. I don't know. Oh, and let me just say something separately about the Spanish flu. I feel like there's a real misnomer going around. I mean, I don't know how much is going around, but I've seen it on, in the newspaper and uh, on the Post and, and on Facebook, which is the second wave of the Spanish flu. You know, people are talking about that, kind of like trying to make some comparison to a second wave. Now, the coronavirus second wave might be really bad, but there is no historical comparison to the Spanish flu because what happened with the Spanish flu second wave is that Millions of soldiers came out of the dankest trenches ever created on human history, where disease had been brewing in the worst kind of way, and then went home. They took that disease, all of them took them home with them, and then people had parades where they hugged them, and then they went on trains and went back home again. So to like make a comparison of the second wave, the Spanish flu, is it's just missing a lot of, you know, like what I just said should should... 
Do you see what I'm saying, Waylon? It's just not comfortable. I understand. I understand what you're saying, but the but but, the, but what I think that is the missing component here is the hypersensitivity that is is now um, perceived experienced in in our society through a through the global means of communication that we see. So let me just explain that for a second. Okay. With the Spanish flu, you might read that in the paper and you might experience like this crazy outbreak that's going on in, in, in communities, but you're not interconnected globally in the sense of, yes, you, you could get the, you know, the, the New York Times in London and, and, and be experiencing that, but the visceral sense of the, and intimacy of being able to see things as they unfold in today's global uh, you know, society with the internet – I think it's a it's different, and also we're able to now drill down, uh, you know, deaths and you know cases of of contraction to pretty solid. I'm not saying solid numbers because there's a lot of people that are not tested, but the ones the the numbers that we have become more more concrete, and so. When you lose thousands, tens of thousands of people from a Spanish flu, it's 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 not the same. It's not registering the same because of of the information that's being disseminated in in the the means of communication. It's not. It's it's. Mm. You're, you're saying, not. Are you saying that? Uh, okay, just want to clarify. Kind of. Yeah. Are, it's, are you saying it, that? I'm kind of muddying that up, but no. Well, I are you saying that life was just cheaper back then in terms of how we reacted to loss of life? Because <laughs> no, I mean I think that's not. not yeah. It, well, I'm oh, saying come on. that I think yeah, that's true. Well, ignorance is bliss, is what I'm saying, and that you're not really understanding exactly how, in the moment, like we are right now, being able to to track literally every single day the amount of people that die in New York City or Boston yeah. or things like that. You're not registering it on the same level back then, so mm -hmm. therefore, it's not that uh, it's 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 certainly a threat, but it's not that persistent threat. It's, that we see in in our society because of the age of information that we live okay. in. Okay, okay, yeah, no, no, I see that. And that's totally fine. And I do think that kind of what you're saying is our hyper-awareness of what could be happening to us heightens our anxiety and fears and what we take seriously. And there's advantages and disadvantages to that. But don't, don't you agree that what I say stands, that it, it would be hard to compare a second wave of coronavirus to the second wave of the Spanish flu, which actually goes to your point, which is, they didn't really know what was going on. And millions of soldiers did come home and they gave them parades and people hugged and kissed them and got, and by the way, the Spanish flu sat, you, there's no better disease incubator than a trench in France. I mean, it's filled with water and rats and dank and wet. I mean, yeah. it, you know, I don't know if you know the whole story, but that, that started in Kansas. It started in Kansas at a, at I think, at, um, I can't remember the fort. And they were born at burning horse crap near the fort. That's what they were doing. Because that would be a standard thing to do for the cavalry. And that somehow unleashed this thing where it jumped into humans. Those soldiers from Kansas took it over to France. And then, but it had spread around a little bit already. And then in the trenches, it got really virulent, right? Because it's the perfect place. Because you can kill somebody and still jump to the next host really easily, Right. Because diseases oh, just yeah. spread, you don't want to be too virulent because you'll die out. But the trenches are perfect. I'm just saying, like, I think we have to be careful with our historical parallels because to say the second wave of COVID 
is going to be like the Spanish flu is to ignore the fact that millions of soldiers who had been in the worst kind of situation came home and spread it. We're not going to have that. And we're talking not even about the college kids coming to school, although I suppose there'd be some parallel there, right? That college kids are, would be the equivalent of millions of soldiers potentially, right? For the spread of disease. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, the first thing that I think about when, when you say that is the, we, we understand this better, but we're not, we don't necessarily have the control. We can analyze it better, but we don't. We still don't have the the self discipline. I, I I would say. I mean that that's the that's the difference between the 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 the, the times of the Spanish flu and now. So the the big the the best way to look at that is the that that heat map of everybody's cell mobile phones from. Uh, from spring, spring break, break yeah. and and you know it's it's a lot it's it's obviously there's it, there's parallels there but there, it's not the same amount of it's not the same population but we're able to analyze and scrutinize things like that but we're not necessarily preventing things uh you have georgia and other states that are for the most part opening up and yeah. we'll we'll see we'll see well, the consequences. You, you make you make another good point though i think either advertently or inadvertently which is that Back in 1918, except for those soldiers, no one was traveling around like we travel around now. I mean, if you lived yeah. in Northampton in 1918, you might have one big trip in your life or something like that. You may go to New York once every five years, maybe. Yeah. You, but, you, you know, you, most people aren't getting past Springfield. And, you know, one of the things that happened during the Black Death is that Europe was coming out of the Dark Ages. Like, the Dark Ages were really good for keeping disease from spreading because people just wouldn't travel. They wouldn't leave their villages. As soon as the trees started getting cut down and roads were being built, that's when death started coming back into these villages. And in some ways, they were kind of weak. So your point, I think, is well taken, too, that, like, the second wave could be worse because actually, hey, look, what we're looking at is the same kind of mobility you would have had of millions of soldiers coming home, if not the same virulent, you know, spreading place. So that that makes me actually reconsider it because no one, very few people would travel to Europe in 1918. How many people got to Europe? You had to be in the high class to go to Europe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you'd have to be really wealthy to go to you get on a ship and be like well yeah oh there was a there's a pandemic going on <laughs> oh yeah well and i do think that is part of it and i do think life was probably a little cheaper in 1918 1920 you know but um i i'm gonna have to go ahead and say i think mary berry is out to lunch a little bit i, I do not see what she's talking about happening i don't see anyone dancing the charleston anytime soon <laughs> you know i don't see any wacky new dances and i you know i'm I not guess, sure. yeah yeah. I guess the thing that I that I'm kind of unsure about is just like this cultural burgeoning of, of what's going on, and, mm-hmm. and like I don't know about this kind of cultural what I would say new lease on life. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but I but I really like the uh, the idea of just the psychological relief and that, that psychological exuberance from the relief, um, being able to and and again just experiencing things you don't you know it's the age old saying but you don't you, you know you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. Yeah, if you know we, there's going to be some really um significant moments which you like you said there's emotional like being in front of a class it's like every single day you take you take that for granted um 
And I think it's going to be it's going to be more significant emotionally for all of these things and the novelty of it than we than we're anticipating right now. Well, and I've told my students, I say, pay very close attention the first time you come into a room with other people. Pay close attention to your body. You know, how does your body respond to like actually being around other people? Because in no other time in your life have you been able to be deprived of that to this extent. So being in a crowd, how does it physically feel? How's it going to make you feel? Like we've never done this before. I've been around my three kids, my two kids, and my and my wife. Um, although we actually have a family that we've been we're quarantined families together, which is great. You know, we've all been cooped up for two months, and we're all healthy, and no one's seeing anyone else, particularly. And our kids get to play on the trampoline, and that's great because my kids need play dates like that. They, especially my four year old, I feel like needs physicality. He needs physically to be. He can't zoom. He's too young to Zoom, have a Zoom relationship with anybody, but he can tear, seriously, he can tear around the, the yard. And, and so thank God for that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what else I think we'll get is the permission to say no to things that we wouldn't say no to before. I mean, I think that could be, that uh, that keeps coming back to me and resonating with me, that that I can kind of say no. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going on that trip because, um, like, I don't want to. Like, it, it's... I know it's yeah, supposed to be but, a cool trip, but I don't want that's to. Like, that's like the ultimate Larry David moment. Like, this could be an episode of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld. It's like, no, got the COVID. And he just, like, right, totally right. milks the system by not, not going right. in. Right. I don't really, yeah, I get, I get the joke there. But I don't think it's that. I think, to me, what it's about is dedicating myself more locally. Um, like, just kind of dedicating myself more locally. Not going to five different places in the summer. Uh, but like staying around and, you know, like developing my neighborhood and like kind of going back to a time where rampant travel wasn't happening. Like, I'm pretty serious about that. Like that vision. Yeah, that's well, that's interesting. I'm the, I'm the exact opposite. The minute I can start traveling internationally again, I, I am. I'm itching to, to do it. I had a whole bunch of trips planned and, you know, this threw a wrench in the works. But now I'm in my in my from my perspective, I'm losing time from, you know, being able to do some of the things I, I you know, some of the um, itinerary of my summer is, is just blown up. So yeah. I, I want to get out there again. Sure. And you're in a different part of your life than I am. By the way, I saw tickets to Hong Kong, 500 bucks round trip. <laughs> There we go. I mean, you could, I mean, I think that you could definitely make up for it because like, if you're willing to do that trip, like things would be quite cheap right now. You know, go to Wuhan, you know, go to the marketplace, have a bat sandwich, maybe eat, eat a couple bats or a couple of anteaters and then come back. Exquisite. <laughs> oh, geez, folks, we must be getting a little bit off our rock here. I am going to hypnotize Waylon again, put on the music. You, you surf, you surf, you. Uh, you've been listening to the Free Associates, folks. We like to free associate. We like to freely associate. We believe in free association. You know, all those good things. And uh, we believe in being optimistic for its own sake. And we also know, I mean, if history doesn't teach us anything else, you really can't predict much. But it is fun to mull it over. Waylon, what are you doing the rest of your day, pal? Oh I, well, I'm I'm covered in bondo right now. If you if you haven't seen with my hands, but uh, I did a whole bunch of work on the the van, getting it prepped for painting. So I was gonna paint the uh, the spots on Vanessa, but looks like it's a little overcast. I want to do it on a sunny day. Going for a run. Quick, quick, quick question, and you have to yep. answer immediately. Color of the new van is. 
screaming blank. I will give you that. I'm not gonna give you the color, but it's literally the first word of the of the color is screaming. I know okay. what you're gonna do. I know what you're gonna do. It's yellow. It's yellow. And screaming. I know from I know from your face that I'm right. We're screaming. I think that's a We're good screaming, choice. Folks. Yellow is a good choice. Screaming yellow is a good choice. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. The quarantine family that we're quarantined with are going to take my kids and they're going to have them for dinner. And Robin and I are going to go for a bike ride. And Waylon, I haven't been wow. separated from my kids, even for one minute, for two months. So, wow. yeah, it's not small. It's intense. Yeah, yeah. It's not just small. And I have to, this is one of those things where you can't build up your um, expectations too much. You get disappointed, you know, because yeah. it is it is such a valuable commodity. All right, folks, well, whatever you're doing the rest of your day, we hope that you enjoy it. Whether it's bondo or bonding with your wife or whatever, your husband or whatever it is. And Waylon, thanks for being on. Thanks for running the rig. And we, oh, will, yeah. we will see you tomorrow. Bye now.